Lord, we uh, completely uh, right now come to you and dedicate this time of study, um, this time of getting into your word and understanding what you have to say to us. Lord, we do ask that you give us a, a fresh perspective, a fresh vision of who we are, who you are, and just a again, just a fresh vision of this world, Lord. Lord, your word is enduring and it will last forever, and we thank you so much that you've given it to us. implant the word into our hearts and help us to see and understand what it is that you want to tell us today and how it applies into our life into our lives fill this room with your spirit and fill us anew Pray these things in the name of your wonderful and glorious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we've arrived in a story in the Gospel of Mark that not, not only is one of my favorites, but is also where I get the where I got the inspiration to name this church Fresh Vision Church. In the passage we'll be looking at this morning, Jesus performs a miracle that's uniquely distinct than all the others we've read about so far. It's completely different. Um, none of the miracles that we've seen so far have been, have been performed in this way. And that's, again, and we'll read about and we'll see what makes, what makes it unique. What makes, and, and, and just to give you a quick preview, what makes this miracle unique is that it, was, is that it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't an instantaneous miracle. This miracle, rather, occurred in stages. This miracle wasn't, um, there was two parts to it. And again, we'll be getting into that. This story, I believe, will help us gain a better understanding behind the purposes of Jesus Christ, specifically what he desires to accomplish within the heart and mind of the people seeking to be healed by him. What I hope to convey to you in my message this morning is that regardless of where you're at, Regardless of the condition you're in, and regardless of the condition anyone comes to Christ, he knows exactly how to make the greatest impact in order to affect spiritual, a spiritual transformation in your life. Whether it's instantaneous or gradual, Jesus Christ wants everyone who believes in him to have a fresh vision so, they may, so that they may clearly see who he is who they are in him and who the enemy is that stands against us so if you haven't opened up your Bibles again uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8 and we're going to begin in verse 22 Mark chapter 8 verse 22 the Word of God says then it came to Bethsaida they brought him a blind man to him and begged him to touch him 
He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look to me like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and he saw distinctly. He was cured and could see everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. This morning, we're going to be looking at just these four verse, verses. Um, I know typically, you know, we go through a long passage, but I wanted to focus this week on just these four verses because I think there's just so much we can learn from it. Um, there's so much information on there. Um, and again, it's one of, one of, my, one of my favorite pages, passages in the way that um, the miracle was done, how unique it was. Um, so we see initially that, the, that the, Jesus and the disciples came to the area, to pretty much the area of Bethsaida. Now this was the same general area where he had fed the 5,000 people. Now once there, again, he is recognized. I mean, again, we've covered that before. He's, he can't go pretty much anywhere now without being recognized. So he goes there, and once he's there, we see how some people bring um, a blind man to Jesus. And a lot of this beginning, the beginning of these uh, these verses, verses 22 and 23, are from are similar to what we saw in chapter seven, when a bunch of uh, people also brought a deaf and mute man. Now, uh, the people that brought this deaf and mute man were also begging Jesus to touch him. But this one, um, this this. What makes, again, this different is the manner in which Jesus performed his miracle. Now, again, in that, in that in chapter 7, he takes him aside to a private, takes his deaf and a mute man um, to a private area and spends alone time with him, just takes him, it's just him and, him and the Lord. This time, however, he takes the blind man by the hand and leads him out of the village. Now, I believe, and I, what I see here is that it, it must have taken an incredible amount of faith for this man to trust Jesus, to lead him out, to take him by the hand and trust Jesus to lead him out to the village. You see, for as long as he'd probably been blind, there were probably only a small group of people he entrusted to help him get around. Now, again, when you have this disability, you're blind, and you have to learn how to, who to trust. Because when you can't see, you never know where someone, where someone is leading you. They could be leading you into your death. They, they could be leading you into a trap, and they could be just to rob you. And, and, and I'm sure that um, he learned by experience who to trust and who not to trust. So again, the fact that he allowed Jesus to take him by the hand um, shows us again the incredible amount of trust that he must have had already in Jesus. Not only does it take an incredible amount of faith to trust in Jesus, but it also took an incredible amount of faith for this man to depend on Jesus as well. You see, as Jesus takes him by the hand, he had to completely depend on a man who he believed could heal him, but had never met him, but had never met, to lead and guide him somewhere outside the village. Again, he believed, he went there seeking Jesus with his friends, believing that Jesus could heal him, but he had never met him. And it did. I, I really believe that it must have taken a great amount of faith to, to believe, um, to trust him, to guide him, to lead him 
outside the village. Now, the only way I can compare this to is, have you guys ever done that trust challenge? Where you, uh, again, there's different variations of it, but the most common one is someone stands on the edge of a, of a elevated platform, they look the opposite direction with their hands crossed, and there's a group of people down below, and you know, they fall backwards, full weight and everything, and in hopes that the group down here would catch them. Um, that's essentially what the, that trust challenge is. This, as this blind man, as a blind man, this is what it must have constantly been like to trust new people, to entrust yourself to new people you, you've just met. Now when a person comes to Christ, that's essentially what happens. Jesus takes you by the hand in order to lead you and guide you where he wants you to be. Not where you want to go, but where he wants you to be. Now, again, we're not told whether this man ever had any experience, had ever been outside the village. But again, you want to, when someone has a disability like that, they want to be around familiar places, places that they've walked, the streets they've walked around, um, you know, buildings that they've felt before. Um, and even if this man had previously, and a lot of scholars believe that this man had previously seen before, um, he would have known and been familiar with this, with, this, with this village. Now, having gone outside, that's a different story. You know, there's nothing that can orient him, nothing that he can, um, nothing he can use to, to guide him. So again, it takes incredible amount amount of faith to trust in Jesus. And unfortunately, a lot of people can't get past this point. They can't get past the point. They say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, and I know that you can save me, but they can't get past that point. They, they can't get to that point of saying, Jesus, I completely entrust everything to you. I completely give, I, de I depend on you for everything. I surrender myself to you. And that, that's when, again, I, and I know because I've been there. And it does, it takes an incredible amount of faith to do that. To just say, here, here I am. Guide me, lead me. I don't know where it is, but I know that you know what's best for me. And I know that you, you know what, ex what to exactly do in my life. And a lot of us, we... We tried it. We've tried it our own way, and we've um, done things that we believe was the right course of action. But in the end, as I as I prayed earlier, as I said earlier, you know, we always come back to him because we know that he has the answers. And again, uh, what I like to encourage newer Christians is is just get to that point where you just fall backwards and just completely trust in Jesus and know that. Regardless of, of where he wants you to be, that he again he has your best interests in mind. The prophet Isaiah said this: "Indeed, God is my salvation; I will trust him and not be afraid. For, for Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and my song; he has become my salvation." Now, in the second half of verse 20, 23, this is the, we see that this is the second time we read about Jesus spitting on his hands and placing them on the afflicted, on the, 
afflicted area of the person. Now, the first time, if you remember, Jesus spat and touched the tongue of the deaf man, the deaf and mute man. This time, what Jesus actually does, this time around, Jesus actually spits directly into the eyes, into his eyes, and then places his hands over them and tells a blind man, do you see anything? Now, yes, I know. I know it may sound, you know, gross. I know that the image of Jesus spitting on this man's eyes may seem disrespectful and even disgusting if we look at it from our perspective. I also know that, but I also know that Jesus deals with everyone on an individual basis by knowing exactly what makes the most impact on them. You see, during this time, and in most cultures, it was believed that saliva contained some medicinal value. So by Jesus doing this, this by, so by Jesus doing this, not only was he validating the application of medicinal, of medicinal treatment, but it was also bringing a familiar sense of comfort to this man. And maybe again, this, this man understood that and it was no big deal for him. Hey, people have spat in my eyes before. It's, again, it was culturally, um, they thought it, was, it, was, it brought, had medicinal value, saliva had medicinal value. Also, it may be possible that by spitting on this man's eyes, Jesus was merely separating the eyelids if they had been gummed together by years of eye gunk. I think you guys know what I'm talking about, eye gunk. It's that stuff you wake up in the morning and you feel in the corner of your eye or whatever. It's, I imagine just years of that stuff just kicked on onto your eyes and how his eyes might have appeared to Jesus or pretty much to anybody. Again, it might be, and it's possible that Jesus spat in his eyes just to rub it in there to take all that stuff out. Whatever the case was, Jesus knew it was necessary to do it this way so that the actual miracle that was about to happen would cause the most impact. So as Jesus placed his hands on the eyes of this blind man, it was at that moment that the miracle to restore his sight began. But as you can see in verse 24, the healing wasn't immediate. As this man now looks up, and he looks around, we're told that he sees, but not clearly. Now if you think about it, the way this man responds to Jesus, his honesty is absolutely remarkable. I think, you know, again, he was honest about what he was seeing. He could have easily have left, left it at that. He could have, when Jesus said, hey, what do you see? He could have easily left it there and responded politely, yeah, okay, I, I, I can see, thanks. You know, he could, have, he could have gave that kind of response. He could have left in that condition, believing that partial sight is better than no sight at all. At all. Or he could have left believing that he wasn't good enough for Jesus to heal him completely. Instead, this man knows, as he looks up and he looks around, he knows there's something wrong. He knows that something isn't right. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, the honesty in his reply reveals a couple things about him. It reveals his faith he had in Jesus to completely restore his sight. And it also reveals his strong belief that the healing Jesus had imparted to him 
so far was incomplete. This, I believe, is, was, was ultimately what Jesus intended to draw out of this man. He wanted to draw out of this man an unambiguous faith in him and an emphatic belief that Jesus will complete what he begins, what he began. Now, um, again, going and looking at verse 23, um, I want to, actually, before we actually move on, I want to break down to you what, before I break down to you what happens next, I want to take a few minutes to share some things we can learn from this man up, up to this point. Number one, when you come to Jesus, he knows, again, exactly what to do with you in order to make the greatest impact. Don't base the work of what Jesus Christ has done in the lives of others on what he is attempting to do in yours. Going back to Isaiah, in Isaiah 48, 17, it says, This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says, I am Yahweh your God who teaches you for your benefit, who leads you in the way you should go. What God wants to accomplish in your life, what God wants to do in each and every single one of your lives is distinctly different. However, the main purpose, the main purpose of God's distinct work in all of us is his glorification. Is for us to ultimately glorify him. Whether again, individually, or as a group, as we sh when we share with one another what God has done in our lives and what God is doing in our lives. You know, if, you're, if you have a praise report and you see God doing something, has done something in your life, share it. If you're struggling with something, something's going on, share it. You have people that care about you, that are praying for you that are wanting to see, that are praying to see God do a miracle in your life as well. But how will anybody know if you don't say anything? You know, I, I know as teenagers, it's, it's, it's difficult, as young men, it's difficult um, to share your thoughts, share what's going on. But there's people out there. If not, you know, if you can't share it with me, share it, you know, there's other people there you can share it to share it with. Again, they want to see God work in your life. And they want to pray for you. And this again applies to, to the rest of you too. And again, he wants to accomplish something unique, something dis distinctly different in each and every one of you. Number two, when you come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus Christ, he begins in wor a work in you that isn't complete until you're in his presence. Philippians 1.6 says this, tells us this, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So in other words, from the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to the moment you take your last breath, God is shaping and molding you into the, <coughs> into the image of Christ. This is what is known as a sanctification process. You see, God is not done with you. God is not done with you 
either if you, and if you remain in him, he promises to complete the work. God is continually working in your life. If you continue to abide in him, if you continue to walk in him, if you, if you desire to know him more and, and, and live in obedience for him, shaping and molding you. He's doing things. Even sometimes, even though it may be hard, and he's, he may be doing things that you may not like, again, he's molding you into that image of Christ. And ultimately, that's what we're going to be. When we get up, when we see God face to face, when we're with him, finally, and he says to us, good job, my good and faithful servant. We'll be ready. That's when he, he knows, again, that's, uh, at that time, we'll be ready to finally live with him in glory. Again, it's a process. Number three, when you come to Christ, he will look for ways to draw your faith in him. Now, you could do this through a variety of ways that are meant to test, that may test and challenge you. However, he will never do it in a way that cause, to cause you physical and spiritual harm. Psalm 37.5 says this. It's actually an excellent reminder of what God's goodness, of, of what God's goodness looks like when we step out in faith. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. And these are the things, again, God is trying to do. He wants to draw out, just like he did with this man. He wants to draw out your faith. He wants to see, okay, what do you see? Now, are you going to walk away and just say, you know, I'm good and I'm set. You know, I, I can see. Or are you going to tell him, are you going to be straight up honest with God? And that's what he wants. He wants for you just to be completely honest with him. Tell him, Lord, I, I see they say, I see people, they look to me like trees walking. It's okay. That's what he wants to hear. He wants to hear that honesty. You know, you don't have to go out there and, and, and believe, you know what? I'm, I'm nobody. You know, he, he sees you in a special way. He sees you as the person that he created you to be and he sees you for the person he wants, he knows that you can be. But again, he's going to challenge you. He's going to do things to test you. Again, he says in Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And sure enough, we see Jesus doing exactly that in verse 25 told that when Jesus placed his hands a second time on this man's eyes, he was cured and could see everything distinctly. Now, this is what R.C. Sproul said about this particular verse. He says, the force, in this, the force in this sentence is that Jesus healed this man in such a degree that when he looked up, he can see clearly from a great distance. His vision was without blur. It was impeccable. His healing was complete. You could also make a valid argument 
that Jesus actually performed two distinct miracles here. The first one being the, the man's ability to see, the restoration of sight. And the second being his comprehension of what he saw. This story then ends with Jesus telling them not to go into the village. Not to go back into the village. Why? Jesus had a specific plan for him now. Now that he was restored, now that he was healed, he didn't want him to go back into that life that he lived. He didn't want him to go back into that village where you know, people just knew him as a, as a blind man. Whether he was begging or not, that wasn't his life anymore. He told him, he tells him, he says, then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. The plan was to first begin at home and not in the village where he had lived his life. He tells him, go home. This is where I want you to begin your ministry. This is where I want you to begin being a witness for me. This is where I want you to start sharing about me. He gave him a new purpose. He gave him a new life. Now, could Jesus have healed this man instantly? Could Jesus have just laid his hands on him and said, be healed, and his eyes be completely restored that first time around? Yes, I believe he could have. I believe he absolutely could have done that. But I believe the reason Jesus healed this man in stages was to show us that our faith and knowledge in the person of Jesus Christ becomes clearer as we continue in our process of sanctification. It's an example for us. It was an example for his disciples, and it was also now an example for us as believers. That sometimes that clarity doesn't come instantaneous. You see, as we grow and mature in Christ, we continually see things with clarity, and we have a better understanding of the love, grace, and mercies of God. See, I hope this has been the case with you since you first accepted Jesus Christ. I hope that you have now a better clarity and a better understanding of who Jesus is, of who people really are, how this world really works, than when you, then, you know, I hope you have a better understanding now than when you did when you first accepted Christ. And I hope and pray that five years from now, that you'll have, that you'll see things much clearer than when you see them right now. You know, our growth process, our sanctification process is continual. It's continual. Our vision, our understanding becomes clearer and clearer as we grow in more into the image of Christ. Now, if there's something you don't understand, whether it's in the Word of God, whether it's in a person, or whether it's out there in the world, all you have to do is just ask the Lord, Lord, show me, reveal reveal. Help me to understand what's going on. And I absolutely do believe that he'll do that. Now again, he'll do that in his own way, in his own manner. But he will show you. I absolutely believe that he will show you. You know, and there been, I, I know that as an example, there have been times that we'll read a certain passage 
in the Bible and I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. And I'll read it over and over and over again. And, and you know, what, what I see now is that eventually what he ends up telling me is just be patient. I will. I'm going to show you at just the right time. And sure enough, he's faithful to do that. You know, it may be a, a week, a month, maybe a year later, but something will happen and, and I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand. I understand what you were saying about that particular passage. And he's faithful in that way. I may not have, you may not have answered it right then and there, but he answered it in a way that made, that made the most impact, in a way that helped me to understand that passage better. So you see, he does the same thing, not just with the Word of God, but with just all areas of your life. He wants to show you some great and wonderful things. Now, if this hasn't been the case, if this hasn't been the case and you've struggled and he hasn't revealed anything to you and you're just, you're at a, you're just at a standstill, it's never too late to be completely honest with Jesus. It's never too late to, to, to ask Jesus, hey, you know what, all I, see is, all I see is people walking and they look like trees. As I already mentioned, he intends to draw out your faith. But in order to do that, you have to be honest with yourself. And you have to be honest with, with the Lord. You have to be honest with Jesus. You have to be honest with him about the condition of your own heart. Confess your sins to Jesus Christ. Surrender yourself to him. And he will forgive you and give you a fresh vision once again. God, as I mentioned, he, he's doing something in you. And if you have walked away or you don't see that happening, again, just examine what's going on in your own heart. And come to the Lord and share with him what's going on. <coughs> Now, I want to focus a little bit as a group, as a church. You know, my hope is that God will also open up our eyes to have a fresh vision for those around us, for our community, for those, you know, that are in need. You know, there's, I absolutely believe and have faith that God is going to do an amazing work here within even within a small group I may take some time I know but I know that he's you know after you know understanding and reading this verse and and being inspired to to name this church fresh vision churches that again, the Lord has placed it in me that we, that's how we need to see our world. That's how we need to see our community. That's how we ought to see El Paso, with a fresh vision. So whether it's in your circle of influences, whatever, wherever, it, wherever it's at, in your workplaces, at schools, whatever it may be, start to have that fresh vision. Start to see things differently. Allow God just to continually transform your vision to show you all these wonderful things he wants to do. Not just in your life, but just in their lives as well. Be that salt. Be that light. 
that he that he wants you to be. Again, you know, my heart for each and every one of us individually and for this church is to have a fresh vision, to allow God to transform our our eyes, our sight, our the way we see things, the way we see this world. And especially as this, you know, I mentioned it earlier about, you know, these people that are angry and, and about what's happening, you know, with this election. I, we don't have to have, we don't have to be angry. We don't have to be upset. You know, we, if we see people with the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of Jesus, man, we can make such an impact here. We can make such an impact in their lives as well. Now, I know that um, these four verses, it's, it's a short study. So it is a short study this morning, but again, there's just so much in there that we ought to be thankful for, that we ought to reflect on, that we ought to, you know, see. And as we end this morning, as we finish up in prayer, as we go out, just ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to give you that, that, that new insight, that clarity to see him again. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we ask, Lord. We beg of you to open our eyes, to see you, to see this world, to see ourselves afresh, to see everything new, Lord. Lord, if you, if you have to you know, spit in our eyes and do whatever is necessary, Lord, to make us see and understand you better to to fall in love with you more intimately and just to have a closer relationship with you thank you for giving us this story Lord for showing us that sometimes things aren't instantaneous that even you are able to work in a gradual process. Continually sanctify us, Lord. We want to be more, we want to grow more into the image of your Son. And reveal to us, again, our purpose. Once we're able to see, Lord, Send us out. Send us out there into the world, Lord, to, and, and, and let us not go back to the villages of the lives we used to live. But use us, Lord, whether it's in our homes or wherever it may, our workplaces, wherever it is, Lord. But use us to make an impact there. Send us, Lord. We want to be bold for you. We need the strength, 
or there may be people listening, whatnot, that just are at that place that they've forgotten or they haven't completely entrusted in you. They haven't they've been too they've been too scared to take that step of faith and i pray for them right now lord i pray that you will soften their hearts and you will reveal to them and show them that you will always be there and that you will never deny them and you will never uh, you will you remain faithful even when we're faithless lord and all that you have to do is just fall back and you will be there to, 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 to catch them. Give those men and women that understanding, Lord. And if you've never placed your faith in, in Jesus Christ, just out of the quietness of your heart, out to God to forgive you for your sins forgive you of your sins confess in the name of Jesus he died on the cross for your sins so that you may have everlasting life and believe that he has forgiven all your sins. Holy Spirit, I ask that you fall upon everyone that has prayed, that has accepted Jesus, and guide them, Lord. Guide them to those places where they need to be. Pray for each person that's here right now, Lord. Be with them, fill them, love them, show them who you are. Bless the rest of our time today, Lord. Bless our time of fellowship. May all our conversations be wholesome and just glorify you and and what you've done. Thank you again, Lord, for being so good to us. Bless this week and bless our families. And we look forward to, to, to coming back next week and, and worshiping you and learning more about you, Lord. Thank you again for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.